Well, hello, Exchange Church. My name is Pastor Mark. Welcome to our online service. We pray that today's service blesses you and encourages you. My prayer is this, is that in this season, we all keep growing. We all keep moving forward. And I believe that as a church, that's our, that's our passion, that's our conviction. Our declaration is that we want to run at the pace of faith, always responding when God's calling. The only answer that we should give God when he calls is yes. Almost as if, yes, what's the question? And it's at that place, that trust and faith in him. He opens doors that no man can shut. He takes care of the need and the, and the stuff that looks like it's a loss. He turns it around and uses it as a victory and a testimony. And so at Exchange, we're going to keep going forward. Amen. Well, for those of you who were able to hear my message last week, talking about comparison. If you haven't heard it, I encourage you to go back and listen to it, and it will be, I'm sure, an encouragement to you. But comparison is just a thief. What comparison wants to do is it wants us to get our attention off God onto man or something or someone and steal our focus and our faith and our desire for God. That's what comparison does. Ultimately, it steals from us, it takes from us, it causes us to put our energy and our effort all into the wrong place. And that comparison is just not healthy for your soul. In fact, what comparison will do is a soul destroyer. My encouragement to you is don't do it. My encouragement is, is to be like Christ. Don't compare, but if you must, compare yourself to Christ. And that's the standard by which things should be measured. Uh, let me pray. I believe I've got an uh, encouraging word today, and I pray this is going to be a blessing for every single person who hears these words today. God, we thank you for your word, that it's powerful. Even though right now, whatever device that this message is coming through, Lord, we pray out the distractions, and Lord, we pray for laser focus. And Lord, I pray for receptive hearts and ears to catch the things that you're speaking to us today in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen, fantastic. Well, when I was about 25 years old, one of the perks in Australia of being a pastor was you were able to lease a car through the ministry. Obviously, not some crazy extravagant car, but we were able to lease uh, pretty much uh, what the equivalent of what would be here a Ford. There's a car in Australia called a Holden, and we had managed to lease a nine-month lease a brand new Holden Commodore. It was an awesome car. In fact, you might be able to see a, a picture of it come up on screen. And the car was such a cool car. And I don't wanna, I don't wanna lead you astray here um, and make you think that we're all fancy and all that kind of stuff, but this car had a 12-stack CD player. It was awesome. And I mean, being able to not have to change in and out the CDs was, was fantastic. It was new technology at the time. In fact, it was so advanced that I didn't know, I, I knew how to get CDs into the 12 stacker, but I didn't know how to get them out. And so whatever CDs managed to get in there, that was what I was pretty much going to be listening for the rest of the, rest of the time that I, we owned that car. Because CDs like, and if you're from the 90s, give us a shout out in the chat, DC Talk, Jars of Clay, MXPX, all of these different bands that I used to love to listen to. And so somewhere out there right now, there's still, there's this Holden Commodore that has all of this music <laughs> trapped inside, unless they've figured out how to get those CDs out. Well, one day I was driving 
in the car and I looked up at the car in front of me, which I noticed was a brand new Ford. We have Ford in Australia, but the competitor is Holden. The brand new Ford, it was a brand new model. It was the competing model of the car that I had. And I noticed that I had enough time to be able to change the CD or try to work out how to get the CD out or put one in. I can't remember exactly what I was doing. The point is this, is I was distracted. And lo and behold, the person in front of me decided to break way earlier than they needed to, way more earlier than necessary. And because of that, you can guess what happened. The next thing I knew, I was standing on the side of the road exchanging details. I come to find out later on that that car was also brand new and had less than 100 kilometers on it. And so it was devastating for that person, devastating for me, and I still didn't work out how to get the CD out of the CD player. Well, a fact is this. Distracted driving, I typed in, what is the leading cause of road accidents in America? Distracted driving is the most common cause of road accidents in the United States, resulting in more crashes every year than speeding, uh, drunk driving, and other major accident causes. It's the number one, distractions. Talked last week about comparison. This week, let's talk about distractions and what distractions can do to us in our relationship with God. Matthew 12, if you have your Bible today, verse 46, here's a great passage of scripture that really puts into perspective the value system that God has. While he was still talking to the uh, multitudes, behold, his mother and brothers stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and he said to them and told the one uh, and one who told, who is my mother and who is my brothers? And he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Wow. Sorry for the mumbling reading there, but wow, he, what, a, what a wild thing, yet fascinating statement that Jesus just said. What a wild yet fascinating statement that he made. As if almost, as if he was not rejecting his mum and his brothers, but what, a, what an interesting thing to say. And I think uh, what Jesus was actually doing was in that moment, he wasn't virtue signaling and trying to be like that Christian that you know that uses their own morality to judge you and is a standard that they correct you with. No, he wasn't doing that. That's not what Jesus is like. Jesus was actually in this moment trying to drop a truth bomb to help us understand something. Although his statement doesn't devalue his mother and brothers. It does reveal the prioritization and value of how Jesus spent his time. This is what's happening in this moment. Purpose prioritized time where Jesus spent it. If it was me, I probably, and it was my parents, and they said, hey, your, your mum and dad are there. They want to have a chat with you or your mum and your brothers. I would go, okay, crowd. Let's take five. I've got to go out and, and have a quick conversation. But Jesus didn't do that because purpose prioritized time. One day, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. One day, you might need to choose a God thing 
over a good thing. His statement didn't devalue his mother and his bro brothers because that is a good thing. Family is a good thing. But one day you might have to choose a God thing over a good thing. See, but often what we do and what I've done is we, we hide behind good things instead of stepping out in faith and doing the God thing. That's the temptation and that's the trap. But purpose prioritized time. There are plenty of good things in my life that I have become, uh, that have become a hindrance to me doing the God thing. There are many great things. I think of right now, uh, family is one. I would have loved, it would have been awesome to remain comfortable in Australia where everything's familiar. We're able to uh, do all of the, the things, everything that we've ever known. It, it was just a, a great, great lifestyle, great weather, you know, and, and I remember actually during the process of making the decision to come to America, I remember people would share with us. In fact, Tim has a very similar story. Tim Stanford, one of the pastors here at Exchange, he would get emails and we would get YouTube videos of, hey, don't move to San Francisco because the San Andreas fault line, when that goes off, the big one, then the whole West Coast is gonna be underwater and everyone's gonna be flooded out. And these are the things that people would send us. In fact, just before we moved to Houston, Hurricane Ike tore through Houston. We were thinking to ourselves, are we making the right decision here, moving to this land? Is it flowing with milk and honey? It's definitely flowing with hurricanes and earthquakes. And so we had to process that. But we could have let a good thing where we were get in the way of a God thing. We didn't want to do that. We wanted to trust what God was doing. It wasn't easy to walk away. But imagine if I flipped that on you. Imagine if I said, hey, God's calling you to Australia. He's not, but maybe he is, I don't know. It's not a land flowing with milk and honey. There's now, now you're going into a land flowing with Vegemite and every creature on God's earth that can kill you. And they're waiting for you around every corner. They're waiting in every shoe. They're waiting underneath every cabinet, every little spider and snake and monster. And God's calling you there. Imagine if it was flipped. And because we're comfortable here and what's happening here and what God's called us to do here is a good thing. What you're doing here, we can confuse that and it can get in the way of a God thing. When God speaks, we go. You know, a career is a good thing. Having a career is a good thing. First, it, uh, you provide a service for the public that blesses people. And in turn, that provides for your family. And so, uh, but did you know that a good thing can quickly get in the way of a God thing. A career can quickly get in the way of a God thing. I believe this, and if you understand and catch the heart of what I'm saying here, it should make sense, is God hasn't called anyone to a career. We're all called to build the kingdom. Now, most will build the kingdom through their career. Never let our careers become more important than our kingdom mandate in terms of what God has called us to do. Never allow those things to become a distraction. A good thing can become a distraction because a career is a good thing. That's why I think this thing gets real confusing for people. They don't understand when God's calling them. They're not allowing purpose to prioritize their time. I remember having a conversation actually and, 
And when I think about this scripture, it's very, it's very difficult for me not to contextualize this in the manifestation of my, my hands and my family serving at the local church level where God has planted me, where God has called me to see that unfold in my family and in my life. And I was having a conversation with someone and uh, this is from Houston, an awesome guy, and, and he was basically just explaining to me that, uh, that he was going through a hard time. Now, this is a guy that was probably coming to church about once a month, 12 times a year, and he basically said, look, I feel like what I need to do is I need to pull away from church for a season and spend more time with my family. Now, on the surface, when I heard that, I thought to myself, you know, it's a very noble thing what he said. That logically makes sense. But I started to dig a little deeper and started to think about what it is that he was actually saying. And in a nutshell, what he was actually saying, it would be like a tree, or in this case, a sapling, only a once a month attendance. It would be like a sapling that is only getting watered once a month, coming to me and saying, hey, I'm really thirsty and I'm not growing. And so I'm going to turn off the sprinklers. That is literally what they were saying. And it's sad because they cut themselves off from the environment that God's called them to. Now, his original intent was a good thing, but we have to think this process through. Sometimes a good thing can get in the way of a God thing and purpose prioritize time. Purpose prioritizes how and when and who with and where I spend my time. That is set by God and God alone. I tell you what, there is a big difference between being planted and being watered. Catch that? Being planted is one thing, but allowing yourself to be watered is completely different. Just like you hear it said all the time, there's a big difference between going to church and being the church. There's also a big difference between being saved and living called. Let's be the church that's planted, watered, and, and bees the church, and we live a life that reflects the inside transformation of what Christ has done. Our challenge with distractions is not so much with the distraction itself, because it could be a good thing. The distraction could be amoral, or it could be bad, and often I think when we think of distractions, we think of negative things that take us out. Sometimes the distraction can be a good thing. But rather, it's the deviation, the deviation from purpose. That's the challenge with a distraction. It deviates us from purpose, knowing why God has created us. Therefore, our ability to identify a distraction is found within our ability to understand God's will. If we want to understand to, and be able to identify when a distraction comes across our path, then how will we know it's a distraction unless we know what God's original intent is for our life? How do we know we're meddling and meandering in all the wrong places with all the wrong people unless we know what God's plan is? And the only way that we can do that is by understanding God's will. And if you don't understand the original intent of the designer, then how will you know where you're going in the wrong direction and investing into the wrong places? For some people, the cause that they get behind, which could be a good cause, is validated by them morally. 
they say, well, this is justifiable. I can get involved with this, but it's justified morally. But just because something is a good thing, it doesn't mean that it's a God thing. I've done things in my life that are good, but didn't mean it was God. Didn't mean that I was heading in the direction that God called me. You know, it would be a good thing for me to still be in Australia and still serving at that local church that I came from. You know, it would be a good thing for me still to be in Texas, still serving, still just doing what God has called me to do. The challenge is this, it's a good thing, but at some point when God reveals and God speaks, then a good thing can potentially get in the way of a God thing. Now imagine a boat with four anchors in the context of understanding God's will. And here comes Pastor Mark, the broken record. But I believe, again, understanding God's will is crucial to being able to identify distractions that deviate you from God's original intent. And the first anchor is this on that boat. The first anchor is knowing God. The second anchor is making him known. And another anchor is building his church. And the final anchor is bringing heaven to earth. I believe that when you drop those four anchors in your life, you are setting yourself up to be able to identify anything that will stop you and prevent you from doing that. That's how you know what a distraction is. Does it stop you, that thing, from knowing God? Does it stop you from making him known? Does it prevent you from building his church? And does it stop you? And are you not seeing heaven come to earth? I want to read a story here. This is a powerful story. And we're going to turn the heat up on this message a little bit here. Again, just to encourage people and to bring things to a head so we can see. Indulge me, it's a, a two-minute story, but it's a powerful story of what it looks like. The clash between being tempted to just remain in a good thing instead of stepping out and doing the God thing that God has called. And when I say God thing, I'm not just talking about the specific will of God that God asks you. Uh, when he turned up to Moses in a burning bush and he specifically called him to do something, when he specifically spoke to Jonah, when he specifically spoke through scripture to people to do things, I believe there's also not just the specific, but there's also there's the general will of God for a lack of a theological word of what to call it. This is just the everyday stuff. When we don't know what God's saying, we can trust what God said in Scripture. In fact, I trust what God said more than what I sometimes think I hear God say. It's the end of a long day for Damien, a young man in Hawaii in 1844. He's soaking his feet in a basin of scalding hot water, but he can't feel anything. And that's when he knows he has leprosy. That's when he knows he will go from serving lepers in the colony of Molokai to becoming one. Damien came to Molokai at the robust age of 33 to help the 700 people there living in quarantine. Before he left the healthy world, people told him to keep his distance don't eat with them, they said. Don't get too close. But when he arrived, he saw these people wandering around like ghosts, laden with blankets of despair. Native Hawaiians had no natural immunity to any number of diseases carried by the traders and sailors who began arriving on their islands at the start of the 19th century. 
Illness fell upon these people like sparks on dry tinder. The most feared of all the diseases was leprosy. There was no known cure and it was thought to be highly contagious. Anyone with a trace of the disease was scooped up in the middle of the night and sent away to a scheduled peninsula on Molokai where they were never heard from again. Leprosy was known as the separating sickness. These people, remember, were supposed to parent, they, they, were, they were spouses, and they were parents, they were cousins, they were sons and daughters. They were dumped on an island to fend for themselves. So Damien touched them. He visited them one of the, uh, he visited one of the people uh, living there. He had to start, uh, he, he, sorry, he visited every single one of the people living there. He, he had started to smoke tobacco because to avoid gagging at the smell of their rotting flesh. Uh, but he bandaged their wounds and washed their crumbling bodies. He built roads, churches, orphanages, water systems, and simple homes to replace the shacks that they were using to keep the rain from falling on their heads as they slept at night. And now here at the end of the long day, with his unfeeling feet in a basin of steaming water, he learns that he will share their death as well. Not knowing, uh, now knowing that he's uh, dying, he works harder to build more roads and homes, churches and orphanages. Th this community is the one thing that's healthy for these people. Uh, this community uh, gives them hope. When he, write, uh, when he writes home, he says, I will not be cured if the price of the cure was that I must leave the island and give up my work. I am perfectly resigned to my lot. Do not feel sorry for me. This man whose life ran on a different motor, he was plugged into something that made him strong in weakness. He walked on a path that led beyond death to new and abundant life. He knew how to find hope in despair. This story, what a powerful story. It makes me think that I would never want to dictate to God what I will and I will not do for him. I never want to get to the place where I'm saying, God, this is a negotiation. I never want to get to the place or I don't believe that I'm brave enough or bold enough to actually tell God who I will and I will not serve alongside. I'm not going to say that to God. I'm not even brave enough to go to or leave a church without divine intervention from God saying, I've called you to this place. You know what? I believe that God is a good God and he will speak. Some might think, well, you know what? You know, and I'm passionate about this. Some might think Damien wasn't wise, was, was actually a silly move to spend time with those lepers. And this story, it just makes me, and that thought makes me think, I wonder, do you think Jesus when he called his 12 disciples, do you think he knew that they were going to be martyred? It's a powerful question. Do you think he knew and saw the upside down cross? Do you think he saw the stones that would be thrown at them? Do you think he could smell and see the hot oil that would be poured onto them? Do you think Jesus knew when he called his disciples how they would die? My answer is yes, he knew, he understood the cost. He knew, and when he said, it's no longer I that live, 
When Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me, that carries a whole lot more weight when in reality, what they went through. You know, what I'm noticing today in our society is that there are people holding on to good values, beliefs, but those very same beliefs, uh, are, we are using them to take a stand against the people that God has called us to do God's will alongside. And that doesn't make sense to me, where we have these good values, but because of our good values, we won't serve alongside that person because I don't like your values. That doesn't make sense to me. How could that be? In other words, let's just make it more real. It's been a very political season, as most would know, but and the politicization of the whole coronavirus, the politicization of everything that's happening uh, with people of color, Asian people right now, and a lot of people have good opinions and values on that. But then when we take those opinions and say, well, because yours is different, I am now not going to serve alongside you. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't believe I have the right to stand before God and tell him who I will and will not serve. I don't think that a value should ever be elevated against above the value of a person. That doesn't make sense. So what's not on trial here is the integrity of the moral value that you hold. That's not what we're talking about, whether the value you hold and the position and stand that you're taking. I'm not putting that on trial, uh, but rather it's the participation in God's will, which is what Jesus said. They, who, my mother and brothers are the ones who do God's will. It's God's will that you are disqualifying yourself from that uh, because of that very same value. That's what's on trial here, is the values that you hold disqualifying you from the community that God has called you to fulfill his will with. You know, I, I think there are plenty of people who believe in the resurrection of Christ, but they live like he's not returning. They believe the resurrection and that's good. In other words, they're saved, but they're not living called. And I wonder if it's because of good values, which confuses us and we take this stand, but then those values, those same values disqualify us from being obedient to what God has called us to do. You know, we get so divided, so divided right now. So, so many churches divided on so many different levels. Firstly, this is what we do just within the Christian world, uh, within uh, the denominations. We have all these different denominations and a lot of them come from different theological positions. And then what happens, you know, you've got the churches who believe women can preach and you've got the churches that believe women can't preach. And you've got the churches that will... Uh, the gatherers or the non-gatherers, you've got uh, churches that believe in the gifts and you've got churches that believe the gifts died out with the, with the disciples and all of these different denominational uh, divisions that come up because of our theology. And then we break that down into the local church level and here's where it gets wild and crazy. Within the same church, we get divided politically, racially, socially, economically and theologically. Everyone that has an equal at the end, uh, uh, political, radical, social, all of the, we get divided on so many of those different issues. And it's a shame and it's a loss because a lot of the values that we have in the perspective could be good, great values. But I never want to tell God, 
who I am willing to and not willing to serve alongside. God, change my heart. God, change our heart. You know, I wonder, when I think about Exchange Church, what lineage are we putting into place here, being used by God at Exchange Church that doesn't fit into the normal box? You know, the truth is this, is that when exchange started, none of us went out and thought, let's gather as many Asian people as we can, and let's get as many people of color, let's get many people, Hispanic people, and let's sprinkle a few Australians in there so we can say that we're a diverse church. No one was thinking that. No one was thinking, let's get a bunch of people on the different stages of the financial spectrum and bring them all together in one room. No one was back, you know, I, I think the reality is, is none of us really cared about any of those things. We just wanted to build a kingdom church. We wanted to see heaven come to earth. And so I believe that as we continue to build and continue to go forward, let's see, and this is why it's one of our big four values here at Exchange Church, let's see heaven come to earth. You know what? This might not come as a surprise to you. It might actually be a friendly reminder for you. But the reality is this. Do you know this? There's no black neighborhoods in heaven. And there's no white neighborhoods in heaven or Hispanic neighborhoods or Asian neighborhoods in heaven. There's no partitioned sections that have been sectioned off for Democrats and sectioned off for Republicans. No, there's none of that. I'll tell you what I do know that is in heaven, a throne room. And in God who sits on the throne and angels that fly around that throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What I do know this is that in that throne room, we will be in the presence of God, worshiping him. All of the distractions, whether they be good values, whether they be bad things, whatever it is, that will be in, in the background. That'll be gone, won't even be there. We'll be in the presence of God. Why can't we believe for that right now? Here, heaven on earth, as Jesus prayed, heaven on earth. Why can't we believe every Sunday to be a celebration of what's to come? Let's Exchange Church continue to put aside some of the values that wouldn't exclude and wouldn't exclude people out of this community because they don't fit into our box. No, let's let Exchange Church be like heaven. The presence of God shows up. Let's see all different ethnicities, all different stages of life, all different backgrounds, so it can reflect what heaven is going to be like. John 18, 37. Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Obviously this is Jesus talking with Pontius Pilate. Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I pray that you heard truth today. It's that when the world gets divisive, we double down as the church and unify. We don't unify on our indifferences. We unify in Christ. And we make a commitment that whatever it takes, however much humble pie I have to swallow, I'm committed to my fellow believer. I'm committed, no matter what background they've got, no matter where they've come from, I commit to them. Because I understand this, eternity is at stake. If we can't get along as the church, what hope does the world have? 
other than Jesus turning up on their doorstep, which he time to time does. But if he does turn up on someone's doorstep, where do they go? They need a church to get discipled, to get into a relationship with God so they don't just have a moment, but they have a relationship. And that's why his church exists. Know God, make him known, build his church, bring heaven to earth. My prayer is that you receive this word today. I pray that it encourages you every week at Exchange Church. One of the things that we get to do that we're very passionate about is introduce people to Jesus, to start a relationship with God. I don't know if you know that, you're listening for the first time to a message like this, you can have a relationship with your creator. God created you through the sacrifice of Christ on the cross who made atonement for our sins. He paid the price of our sin, which is such good news. What do you do with the burden and the weight of sin? Where do you, what do you do with the guilt and the shame that comes with sin? You know what? You give it to Christ because he died for that on the cross so that you could be right reconciled back to your heavenly father. It's real simple. I pray a prayer. You repeat those words after me. And if in your heart you want to make a recommitment or a first time commitment for Jesus to be number one, pray my words, but make them yours and pray them to God and know God will hear. So if that's you, let's pray this together. Dear God, I come to you today and I ask for your forgiveness for all the times that I've hurt you and all the times that I've hurt others. Holy Spirit, help me and guide me to live each day for you. And so from my heart, with my mouth, I confess you as Lord of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Fantastic. Well, once again, we don't need not just to have a moment with God, but have a relationship with Him. We have awesome community groups that meet every week here at Exchange. You can email us at hello at exchangecc.com. We will respond to that email as soon as we get it, or as soon as we can. And we want to get you connected to some of the awesome people at Exchange Church that really do care about your spiritual development. They want to see you not just have a moment, but be effective in your relationship with God. We want to help to set you up to win. And so with that, I pray that again, you receive this word today in the spirit in which it was given to encourage, to bring unity, and to see distractions fade off into the distance, and to be able to identify the difference between a good thing and a God thing that we would invest as a church into God things in Jesus name. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next Sunday.